the let me know when you're recording. Oh yeah. So I think the other thing that doesn't get talked about enough is that the market you choose actually matters a lot. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Confessions of a B2B Marketer podcast. And this is a very special one. There's a lot going on in this episode, and so I'm going to be here walking you through exactly what's happening. We're going to be bringing on the co-founder of a bootstrapped SaaS business called Transistor, Justin Jackson, and we'll also be speaking in detail with the co-founder of our bootstrapped SaaS business, Bcast. And if you're aware of these two SaaS products, you're probably also aware that they're both essentially competing in the same market. They're both podcast hosting platforms. And you might be thinking that that's a bit weird. Why would we bring on essentially a competitor onto our podcast just before we launch Bcast on April the 1st? And I'll be explaining exactly why we're doing that after we've spoken with Justin. And so in a second, I'm going to bring in Justin to the show and this interview was recorded just a a few months back before we really decided to embark on the Bcast project. Now Justin is an incredible guy, he's a great marketer and a really good speaker. Him and his co-founder John Buda have, as I mentioned, bootstrapped their podcast hosting business Transistor from zero up to 50k per month it's probably higher than that now they've stopped sharing their revenue figures at about 50k per month over the past 18 months and in the next 15 to 20 minutes i'm speaking with justin and i'm trying to understand exactly how they managed to do that so let's bring in justin justin jackson um, of transistor transistor is like for me, the opposite of Libsyn. I don't know if anyone here has used Libsyn to podcast. Transistor is like the opposite. It's like <laughs> a really nice, like a SaaS tool to, to manage everything to do with your podcast. Justin, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, and so the, the article we wrote about uh, Justin and Transistor was, it was basically showing how they've been able to grow the product completely bootstrapped through their own podcast and, and really sharing everything that Transistor can do for their podcast, which is like this innate sales message, but really congruent and honest and authentic. Um, so that's what we read about. In, this, in the next 20 or so minutes, we're gonna dig more into Justin's background in podcasting, how they, like, why they decided to build the tool and what's in store for the future. Um, so I'm gonna kick off with, when did you first start podcasting? Because I know you've, you've had or been on a few. Yeah. Yeah. So back in 2012, uh, I had this friend that we had both gotten into product management together. His name was Kyle Fox. And we used to get together for beers and we would talk about this new job that we had. And uh, it was, we had these great chats about what makes a good product, product people that we admired, uh, you know, the, the kinds of folks that we wanted to become more like. And uh, when I moved away, I moved to a different city, 
Kyle said, you know, it'd be great to keep up and keep doing those chats. Why don't we do a podcast together? And I grew up loving talk radio. I always wanted to have my own talk radio show. Uh, I used to, in high school, I used to be listening, like when I was listening to the radio by myself, by myself, mind you, I would turn off the radio and pretend that I was, you know, in the conversation I just heard. Yeah. And... (laughs) Uh, so when Kyle suggested that we do a show, I was really into it. And we started really simply just with like, uh, our, you know, our headphone sets and eventually, you know, got better microphones and eventually got better guests. And that show was called product people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I still record episodes every once in a while. I just recorded the hundredth episode and uh, but yeah, that started in 2012. So was that a mixture of just you and Kyle chatting, and you and Kyle chatting with guests? Yeah, yeah, it was both. At, at first, it was just us chatting, and at first, we thought it was going to be a podcast about product management. But it ended up we just wanted to interview all these cool founders that we admired, mm-hmm. and so we made a list, like a, uh, a dream list of guests. And, but nobody knew who, who we were. Like we were just, you know, two guys with a couple microphones and we were recording this show that no one was listening to. And so I remember one of the things I did was uh, I pulled, the one thing we did have is we had a mailing list that had like 30 or 40 people on it. And we sent out a list of our, all of our dream guests and said, who would you like to hear about on the next episode of Product People? And people voted. And then I took the screenshot results from those, and I sent them to the guests, saying, 80% of our podcast listeners want to hear from you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was gratifying for those folks. And uh, a handful of them replied, and that's how we got our first... Guests. That's great, like little outreach. Now I do want to transition to talking about Transistor. Um, mm-hmm. What was the point? Like, you obviously love podcasting, right? Um, what was the point when you were like, actually, we can probably build a better like podcast management solution than Libsyn? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it helped that I had podcasted for a while. And, and there's so many layers to this because it wasn't just that I started a podcast in 2012. It was that I was really into radio as a kid. Like my friends and I would, we had a reel-to-reel tape recorder and we would record radio shows as kids. And so there's these layers of my life that kind of build up to the point I'm at now. And I think for anyone listening, you have to pay attention to, to those patterns in your life. I'm not saying that you have to you know, have done something since you were a kid, but there has to be some evidence that you're even into this. And so you know, I, I had done this podcast and uh, I tried different things. At first, I hosted it on WordPress and uh, hosted the 
audio files on Amazon Web Services. And uh, then I like was trying to figure out, I was using, you know, third-party tools for the analytics and mm -hmm. I thought I would save us a bunch of money. And it ended up costing, I think it ended up costing me 20 to $30 to host it myself. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, uh, and actually would go up. If I, if I had a big spike in downloads, it would go up to 80 or $90. And so then um, I switched to a different podcast hosting platform. And I got to experience what that was like. And for a long time, people would, you know, I, I, I'm friends with a lot of software developers and they would, you know, as we kind of went along and I had this podcast and my newsletter, my blog, they would say, hey, I've got a great idea for an app for podcasters or a tool for podcasters. And for years and years, my response was, don't build anything for podcasters. They're really cheap. They are DIY um, folks. You know, they're hobbyists mostly. And then I started to notice a change. One of the changes I noticed was that businesses were starting podcasts. So, Approximately what time, what year was this? So this would have been, I mean, certainly around the time Gimlet launched, but probably before that too. Um, I, I mean, I, there had always been businesses that had had a podcast, but for example, 37 Signals, Basecamp, relaunched their podcast. They had one years ago, and then they invested in uh, a studio space in their office. They hired a full-time person to run the podcast, Waylon Wong. Um, Sean Hildner, who was already at Basecamp, they said, you spend half your time on the podcast. And so I was looking at that going, wow, that's got to be at least $150,000 investment a year, but probably more. And, you know, that pattern kept repeating itself. I kept seeing other businesses that were starting podcasts. At the same time, there's like all this media attention now, right? So... Uh, there was the serial effect, and now all of a sudden, tons of more people are interested in podcasts. We had a family reunion, and uh, my youngest sister <laughs> said, uh, hey, Justin, I've, I've been listening to podcasts a lot lately. Have you heard of podcasts? I said, Emma, I've been podcasting for years. And the, the idea that all of a sudden, uh, regular people, quote unquote, were discovering podcasts and were listening. Uh, it started to pass what I call the coffee shop test, which is, you know, you order a coffee and as you're listening to people, what do they talk about? And, you know, for a long time it was Netflix and, you know, or what app did you just install on your phone? And then all of a sudden the conversation changes to what podcast are you listening to? So all of these trends converging made me feel like, okay, there's something here. And I had stayed, even though I was focused on other things, I had stayed really interested in the industry. I was uh, a member of like private forums for podcasters. Uh, you know, I would subscribe to a bunch of podcast specific newsletters. I was like still like in the, the stream of consciousness of the industry. And so all of this was kind of happening. And then John, my co-founder, my partner, um, he worked for Cards Against Humanity and he told me they wanted to la launch a show 
and he was going to build an app to run it. And when I heard that, I was like, okay, I got to get in on this because that's a great first customer. And all of this other evidence has just led me to believe there's something more here. This is, this is kind of a moment now that wasn't happening before. And so that's quite interesting. Carving up humanity didn't want to use an existing provider. They wanted to build their own custom. Like, uh, or- no, actually, they did want to use an existing provider. But John had previously built uh, a podcast hosting application. And so he felt like instead of them using someone else, he would have rather just built it. And so he said, if I build this for you, will you folks use it and pay for it? And they said, yes. And so John was like, okay, I've got, he, he was like, this is great. He started building it. But he had no idea how he, he would get more customers. And him and I had built some things together in the past. We had been friends since 2014. Um, and as we were talking about this, I said, you know, like the PR version of this is John asked me to be his partner, but the real version is that I begged him to let me in. And uh, he thought about it for quite a while and eventually decided to uh, make me a 50-50 partner. And um, yeah, ever since then, uh, I've just been basically focused almost all my time on building Transistor, on uh, connecting Transistor to new users. And uh, yeah, it's been a good ride so far. Why do you think Transistor is beating other podcast applications? Well, I don't know if we are. Uh, (laughs) I mean, we're growing quite fast, but it's hard to tell how fast everyone else is growing. Everyone else might be growing the same at the same rate. I anecdotally, I've heard that um, anecdotally, it does seem like we have somehow managed to become top of mind for a lot of people. And anecdotally, a lot of our competitors are growing. I mean, the older competitors are growing much slower just because uh, for them to increase, you know, grow at like we're growing 20 to 30 percent every month. But for Libsyn to grow 20 to 30% now would be very difficult because they're just so big. Um, but even the newer folks, uh, I've, some of them might be beating us, I don't know, but I've heard some are growing at about 10%. So I think there's a few reasons, and these are all just guesses. One is right now we're still kind of the newest player and there's something about being just the new kid on the block that's helpful. It's the freshest, it's the newest, so that won't last forever. Uh, two, we did have a good network. It's kind of, a lot of this depends on who you know and how many people know you. And so for years, John's been working in Chicago and building a network in Chicago. And so, and Chicago happens to be, you know, I have a bunch of podcasters. There's a bunch of people running shows. There's a bunch of really cool businesses there. Uh, Cards Against Humanity is kind of like the hub of the creative community there. And so he was able to, out of our first hundred customers, let's say, 
15 came from John's network. And then I've been building this audience since 2008. And so, you know, there are thousands and thousands of people who were following my work and knew who I was. And so, and they were kind of just waiting to hear what, what my new project was. And so when I announced it, uh, you know, I'd say about yeah, 75 to 85 of our first customers came from that. And from there, it's, an, it's almost like an amplification of who you know and who knows you. So I went on, uh, you know, I went on a different podcast to talk about Transistor and um, a couple folks were listening to that that ended up becoming our best affiliates who have driven tons and tons of business to us. So that helped. There's so many factors. Uh, John, John has really good taste in terms of design and development. And so, um, whereas my impulse is more to just get it out, uh, he is a lot more inclined to make it really nice. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that tension between both of us, I think, actually produces kind of the perfect momentum, which is... If it was up to John, we would never ship and we would never get more customers. But if it was up to me, it would be, we'd be moving too fast and the work wouldn't be as good. And so in between, we have, uh, I think, a really, for example, a really nice embeddable player that I could have never built by myself. But John's sensibility and skill, you know, is it works. But then I can take that embedded player and I can amplify that message to the world and say, hey, look at this player. This is the best. Um, you know, this is the best player I've ever seen. This is the best player I've used. We want you to use it too. And so I think, I think that helps too. Hmm. So yeah, there's probably so many factors. Uh, I think the show actually did help us a lot, especially at the beginning, our podcast, because people wanted, people were, were on the journey with us and stories are powerful. And so to hear, you know, these two people building a company, you know, there might be a developer working at a company who listens to our show and I know this has happened. And then their boss comes in one day and says, we need to start a podcast. Well, who's top of mind? It's Transistor. Mm -hmm. And so I think we've been really good at sharing our story uh, and better maybe than our competitors. Um, and again, part of it is because our story is compelling right now. It's just, you know, these two indie guys building this app and doing it in 2018 and 2019. And, you know, can you even do this anymore? And they're sharing all their experiences and they're sharing the ups and downs and the anxiety. Um, and, you know, I think that there's part of that that resonates with folks. And we, we've tried to be as honest and as vulnerable and as transparent as we can. And uh, it just, that kind of positioning makes people root for you. They want you to win. And, uh, and so, yeah, we've had, we've had some folks sign up just because they said, you know, you, you're more expensive than other folks, but I just resonated with your story so much. I wanted to be part, uh, of, it. Be part of it. So this is well, actually my next question is, 
um, circling back around to the podcast, like how impactful do you think that's been on getting new customers? And you just said it has been. Um, I would recommend anyone. I reckon if you Google build your SaaS, it would probably come up right. I recommend going. Mm-hmm. Those. It is brutally honest, right? Mm-hmm. Between you and John per week, which is like really, really like, it is very transparent. Which Yeah. Yeah. I, I especially like the format we have now, which is, uh, you know, I talk about what I'm wrestling with. He talks about what he's wrestling with. Um, and I mean, there's some stuff we haven't been able to talk about yet, but that I've said, well, just, let's just put that in our back pocket. Eventually we're going to have to talk about that. And, uh, uh, on one hand it's kind of scary, but on the other hand, it's quite cathartic. And, uh, on one hand it gets us into trouble. (laughs) Like there have been multiple episodes where, you know, I've gotten some DMS after that were upset or, uh, you know, maybe we said something that we shouldn't have, or, you know, there's, there's always that risk, but on, you know, on the flip side, people don't want something fake or contrived. And especially like our, our inclination as human beings, when we share something, when we write a blog post or do a podcast is to make ourselves look good. People don't want to hear about that. <laughs> they want to hear about the real, honest, gritty journey. They want real human beings. They don't want, you know, your your best representation of yourself. And so, I think uh, it's we don't always execute on this perfectly, but just by being when we when we're in the right zone, and we are just talking freely. There is something about that I think that people can identify with because people know what it's like to be in their late 30s and feel like, you know, they don't have the energy to build something anymore and they've tried a bunch of things and failed. And, you know, that's John and I's story. Here we are. We're on the verge of 40 and we're trying to build this thing and it's a young person's game. Mm-hmm. And damn, can we do this? And, you know, that's our honest kind of reckoning. Whereas we could say, you know, just, you know, put on our radio voices and, and act like we've got it all together. Okay, so now you're aware of how awesome Justin and Transistor are. The reason I was a little bit nervous bringing or including that interview in this episode is because the initial clip that I put right at the start, if you remember, in the first seven seconds of this episode was a clip of Justin talking about how one of the biggest influencing factors over transistors' growth has been the fact that they were in a rapidly growing market. And both me and Neil were considering, we were ruminating over which SaaS product that we were going to build or which market we were going to enter. And after experiencing that a few months ago, actually interviewing Justin myself, this definitely influenced us to, to tip us over the edge. And it's not like we're completely copying Transistor. We, we're taking a slightly different part of the market here. But I, I would be lying if I said that that conversation didn't influence us. 
and therefore is Justin going to be annoyed that actually I interviewed him for a podcast and then that interview then influenced us to create what could be seen as a competitor to Transistor and I actually don't think so and Justin is an incredible guy and the the whole ethos that Transistor have about sharing their journey and their very open and honest brand I think would also accept this kind of thing the fact that I'm being honest about this and I could have just never released the interview we just put out and never engaged with the Transistor guys ever again but I'm hoping that this episode will be received well by them well at least that's my thoughts I guess we'll find out but now I'm going to bring in Neil now me and Neil actually met through the SaaS marketer community. I included a PS uh, in an email a while back asking if there was any web application developers on the list or in the community to see if they'd be interested in collaborating. And Neil responded. We had a number of calls and ultimately we decided to start collaborating together on the Bcast project. And so now we've been working together for, for quite a while, but we actually haven't met in person. We are business partners. Bcast is a, is a separate limited corporation registered in the UK where both myself and Neil are shareholders, but we actually haven't met in person. We speak almost weekly. We have an awesome relationship, but we still haven't met in person. And so we're going to bring Neil in and we're going to talk a little bit about Bcast, what we're doing, what we've done up to this point to get a SaaS product ready for launch because on April the 1st, which is going to be actually before this episode is released, Bcast is launching to the public. So let's welcome Neil to the show. Thank you, Tom. How are you today? Yeah, pretty good. I wanted to, my first question was about how we actually met. Um, Mm -hmm. I did just mention how we met, but it would be good to hear in your words. I was a subscriber to your email list. And if I remember correctly, one day last year, you said in one of your update emails that you were looking for someone to work with on a new software solution that you were thinking about. And on the morning that I received that email, um, I think I contacted you and said, uh, tell me more about it. And I think by the end of that day, (laughs) we were business partners. Yeah, well, we had calls, right? And then we, but then we didn't actually sign the deal for like a few calls later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Um, And your background is, or or I remember what I liked specifically about you was obviously you have the technical prowess, but then you have an understanding and a background in marketing. Can you share a little bit about the the previous business that you built? Yep. Um, I got into my previous online business in 1999 um, and it was an email marketing software business and back in the day it was um, the the gap in the market back at that time was for email marketing software that didn't attract a monthly fee because all the providers did and and I came up with a solution that allowed people to just you know pay once and install the market the email marketing software on their own hosting account and then they could use it without having to pay monthly fees, which of course seems crazy now because everything is a SaaS. Um, and that business ran for the best part of 16 years. 
Um, it, it was um, a piece of software originally called Autoresponse Plus, um, and uh, eventually was rebranded around about 2012, I think, um, and it was then called ARP Reach. And it, it still exists under new ownership. Um, I'm not involved in it at all anymore. Uh, and that happened around about 2015. And it became probably the go-to self-hosted email marketing autoresponder system globally. It was the <laughs> somehow <laughs> it was the one that everyone everyone knew about. And um, the, the, you know, my business. Or my, my the reason I created it, it wasn't really for a technical reason. It was just because I knew there were people at the time who wanted to avoid monthly fees, and that, that's where the, the gap in the market was. But actually, you know, as the time went on, running your own email marketing software became you know not the thing to do because of deliverability and spam issues and whatever. So you know, passing that on to a third-party provider is now the way to do that. Um, but at the time, that that was the gap, um, and it, it seemed to capture the imagination. And of course, the amount of uh, the amount of stuff I learned technically and about online marketing over the, the years was unbelievable. I, I just learned so much, and it was a full time job for me for the best part of ten years. Got it. And actually, one of the features that's currently setting Beacast apart from the market is this auto opt-in feature basically allows anyone to email a blank email and get subscribed to someone's list so the host mm -hmm. can read that out on the podcast and that directly came from actually some tech some functionality you built previously yeah um you know when i was building that software um at the time i was always looking for for new ways that people could subscribe to lists uh, you know, they fill in a form on a website, you know, it could be an automatic um, API call. But one of the methods um, for subscribing to a, a, an email list was by sending a blank email to a, a specific address. And when, you know, that's a great way of, um, you, you can advertise that anywhere, um, you know, by audio, on blog posts, uh, on websites. And it's super simple because everyone can do it. They, they, they click a link, it, it opens up their email program, they hit send, and they're subscribed. And, and that's it. Uh, but sorry, but we, we jumped off topic there. Back to the story. So you see an email PS. It's me talking about how I'm looking for someone to build a web, web application. We have some calls. I pitch you the idea. Um, what Were you like, who's this, who's this guy from London? talking about the software product like well what, what were your your first thoughts well it's interesting because it was one of those situations where the the, the planets aligned because I, I i was i had promised my wife at the beginning of the year that i would i would get involved in some other project but i wouldn't do the marketing side of it i would just do the technical side of it and and then all of a sudden you know Tom appeared out the woodwork, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I look, looked online, saw your background, watched you on Dragon's Den, yeah. <laughs> looked, looked at what you worked on before, and I was just excited to get involved in it. Because why didn't your wife? See... Sorry, to jump sorry. In. Why didn't your wife want you to do the marketing? Because <laughs> she doesn't think I'm very good at it. Got it. <laughs> Got it. I disagree. But anyway, um, 
Cool. And so then the, the other thing I mentioned just now is that we actually haven't met in person. Um, how would you describe, like, that's quite different. Most people who start businesses, businesses together would either know each other for many years or would have met in person. Um, do you think that's a challenge or like, what, what are your thoughts about that? No, for me, that is, uh, well, the meeting in person thing is just, just because we haven't. But for me, um, the one thing I've learned over the, the years of doing this stuff is that, you, you know, you need to be working with the right people. Uh, and often, you know, there have been many times in the past where I have worked with people um, for the wrong reasons. Um, and, it, it, you know, it just hasn't worked out as, as well as it could have. So for me, you know, this is the right way to do it. It's the right people working together. Um, because we have different skills and we have different expertise we have different experience and the fact we haven't met in person well we will at some point but that 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 doesn't really matter it for me it was about the the right people you know working on the project and being experts at it you know i've been doing this stuff for so long you know that I'm, i'm i'm kind of past the experimental stage for me now it's about working with people who can just do what they say they're going to do um, in the same way that I do. And, yeah. and then we just, we just make a success of it together. Now, I actually want to go back and pick you up on something you said before about not being good at marketing. And I, I also, like, if you're not good at marketing, it means you're not good at sales. However, you told me about your sales pitch that you give to new like either employers or partners about the scalable code. And this is the same sales pitch that you gave to me. Please, please share more. Yeah, well, it, it, it's, it's my pitch on maintainable coding um, because in my other life as a software development contractor, um, of, you know, of which there are many, um, I, I have often gone into businesses and, and talked to them about maintainable coding techniques, which for, for the layman, without going into too much of the technical detail, it's all about um, how you write software solutions that are maintainable, which means they are easy to change and easy to build on. It's, you know, the vast majority of software developers write a piece of software, develop it, and it, it does what it says on the tin. It does what it's supposed to do. But the problem comes later on when that piece of software has to be enhanced or changed um, or restructured or pivoted in some way, um, or it has to scale to huge volumes. If the software hasn't been written from the beginning to allow that to happen easily, then it just becomes a very big problem. And in fact, it can become such a problem that the only way forward is to start again, um, which is very costly. Now, from a business point of view, maintainable coding gives you two things. It gives you intellectual property that has a higher value just because of the way it's written, but it gives that intellectual property higher value for a longer time because you can continue to use the same code base for much longer than a piece of software that's just been written to do one thing and that's all it does and it will never do anything else. Totally so that's agree. my pitch. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what I say. We can't stop you pitching. Um, the, <laughs> the people listening, right, are marketers. And so the point I want to put out is that you understand this is an important part of the product. And the product is your development skill set. And then you, 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 you've taken that important part. And when you're communicating with the buyer, you highlight the important part. And that's a really important marketing lesson, right? You're, you're finding the one thing that is super important, but also people really like because anyone hiring like someone to do work or building a tech product obviously wants it to be maintainable as it scales. Um, so I just want to highlight that to the audience that actually, yes, Neil has the technical prowess, prowess, prowess but also the sales skills. Now, moving on to Bcast, actually, in your words, what, what would you describe what we're building with Bcast? Bcast is a pod, podcast hosting solution f- for businesses. Um, it's for businesses who sell to other businesses. And it's unique in that. And it has features that other podcast hosts don't have because I think you would agree with me that since day one, when we started talking about this, we have always focused on what a business is going to use it for, what the benefits to them will be, why they're going to be doing a podcast. And and we have focused on building features that enable them to achieve their goals, which are very different from the types of goals that a, a sort of business to consumer podcast might have. Um, for sure. So for me, you know, it's it's a technical challenge. Um, podcast hosting is a technical challenge because you, there, you've got to uh, think about the size of the files that are transferring around, the volume of the files, the you know the number of listeners. There's a lot of technical challenges there. But for me, um, I found it an interesting project because of this unique slant on it being business to business, yeah. which is unique um, in the marketplace. For sure, and that's our like that's our selling point, right? This is one thing I've been thinking about, but I haven't actually mentioned to you yet. Um, is yes, our, our current positioning is B two B podcast hosting, um, but I'm thinking we're about to launch the site. Actually, by the time this episode is launched, we have we will have launched to the public. Um, and I'm thinking about obviously the headline. Every market is like, what's the headline on our website going to be? And I think what we have right now is B two B podcast hosting for high growth businesses um mm. i'm thinking maybe to change that to b2b or a podcast host for marketers made by marketers or something along those lines right um but again mm. we can discuss that in detail mm-hmm. um, and i totally echo what, what you're saying about it being different from like b2c or just like somebody who wants to build uh, their brand um mm. even if that is b2b I, I think what we're focusing on is how can we enable a business to make a profitable podcast to actually see and get results from the effort and the money that they're piling in to create this audio content. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not going to turn this into a pitch to, for B, for Bcast, but go to Bcast.fm if you do want to have a look about how we're doing that. Um, awesome. Okay. So launching, actually we're recording this before April the 1st. Uh, this episode's released after April the 1st. Um, what are you looking forward to in the future with regard to building out the, the project and progressing with the business? Um, well, what I'm looking forward to is is being innovative with the B2B um, benefits. Um, you know, a podcast host is a podcast host. 
what makes Bcast different from other podcast hosts are, are the B2B benefits. And for me, the challenge and the interesting, um, you know, uh, things that I work on are, are those benefits that were taken to businesses. And in the future, what I'm looking forward to is coming up with more of those benefits that are unique to us um, that will, you know, will, will benefit businesses with regard to lead generation, making the, the podcast profitable, um, and, and all that side of things. So um, I, I think our initial uh, development phase, the first you know six months of this, has been to put together a, a really good podcast host with some business uh, features or business-to-business features. But for me going forward, it, I'm looking forward to the challenge of coming up with as many of those features as we can because um, that, that's, what we're, that's what we do. Got it. Totally agree. Okay, then, Neil. Well, I want to thank you for being an awesome co-founder up to this point, this hard, long slog of getting to launch day. Um, and I also want to thank you for your time here. Thank you. I'm enjoying working with you, Tom. Well, there we go. I hope that was valuable for you. It was an insight into the growth of two relatively early-stage bootstrapped SaaS companies. So we had Justin Jackson of Transistor, but then also myself and Neil talking about Bcast and how we've got up to the point that we currently are. John and Justin, if you're listening, I hope you're you're not uh, too annoyed with us for bringing out a product in the same market after inviting you on to our podcast a while back. If you are interested, if you want to be notified when every episode is released, please go to your favorite podcast listening app and search for Confessions of a B2B Marketer and subscribe. And then if you'd like to join the SaaS Marketer community, simply send a blank email to podcast at bcast.email. That's podcast at bcast.email and you'll receive all the instructions to do that. Thank you so much for listening.